0: Hi, and welcome to The Strad Podcast. I'm Davina Shum, I'm a cellist, and I'm the online editor at The Strad. It's not every day that a string quartet celebrates a significant milestone. This year, the New Zealand String Quartet celebrates its 35th anniversary. Joining me in today's episode are all four members of the quartet. Founding member and violist Gillian Ansell, first violinist and cellist and married couple, Helena Pohl and Rolf Yelston, and the quartet's newest member and second violinist, Monique Lappens. New Zealand is certainly very far away from many places. Take it from me, a Kiwi who hasn't visited home for over three years. But that's not to say that music making isn't alive and kicking in that part of the world. All four members have their reasons for settling in New Zealand, despite its isolation, which you'll hear about, plus the philosophies they follow when playing as an ensemble. Here they are. First of all, let me just say to the New Zealand String Quartet, welcome to the Strad Podcast. I have you all here, all in one Zoom conversation, all speaking to me from Wellington, New Zealand. And I have to say, this interview is very close to my heart because, as listeners will know, I am a New Zealander, so it's an opportunity for me to perhaps delve back into my natural accent. (laughs) So anyway, we're here today to talk about the 35th anniversary of the quartet you know, congratulations. Um, In a way, a little bit of a retrospective and to talk about what's next in the quartet as well. But first of all, I wanted to ask Gillian, because you're one of the founding members of the quartet. And am I right in thinking that you started on second violin and then you switched to viola at one point?
1: That's exactly right. Yes. In 1987, we played our first notes together, not with these other three, but um, the original members. And After nearly two years or a good year and a half, I really felt like I wanted to be the viola player in the group and if the opportunity would ever arise, the first viola player we had decided to leave, so that was my opportunity to very tentatively put my hand up and say, I suppose I could audition for this role, could I?
0: So casting your mind back to 1987, what sort of stage of your life were you at at that point? Had you just sort of finished studying or, you know, were you doing some other work as well at the time?
1: I was living in London and I was a freelancer. And at that stage, the freelance scene was very, very active and happy and people were full-time freelancers in London and, you know, making a good living. And part of me thought, yes, I could do this for a while. But part of me thought, well, I wouldn't mind sort of settling down a little bit somewhere. And when the opportunity came to audition for the quartet, I was actually thrown into great turmoil because I didn't really want to leave London. Of course, my interest is greatly piqued by this amazing opportunity. Very long story short, I did audition and I got the role of second violin and enjoyed that a great deal. But sort of over the time, I've found myself really feeling quite envious of the viola role. <laughs> so it's been amazing that that's what I've been able to do for most of those 35 years now.
0: How amazing it must have felt to come back to New Zealand, right? Even though I know that you didn't want to leave London and that resonates with me, but coming back home,
1: Well, it did take a while for me to really adjust, actually. In 1987, New Zealand was such a different place to now. There was no internet. And I think that has been, you know, something that has so changed living anywhere in the world now, the connection with other places and the, the, you know, the easiness of being with other people from the other side of the world and chatting, keeping in touch. It's just such a different thing. So it took me, I remember about a year and a half when we went to the BAM International String Quartet competition and met players from all around the world there, I remember thinking, oh, they've travelled just as far as we have, actually, some of them. So, okay, New Zealand isn't at the bottom of the world. We're all travelling somewhere to get to Bath. So it suddenly sort of changed things for me, actually.
0: That ability to travel, which we've all missed over the last two years, I imagine must have been quite a special thing to to bring everyone together. So speaking of Canada, um, Rolf, you're from Canada, is that right? That's
2: right. I'm from Victoria, BC. Okay.
0: And Helena, where are you from?
3: I was born in Ithaca, New York, but my parents are German, so I'm sort of half and half.
0: Helena and Rolf, you guys joined the quartet a little bit later. Helena, when did you join?
3: I auditioned in October 1993 and joined in February 1994. And the very first thing that happened when I joined was that we did cello auditions. And Rolf took up his post in May 1994, so we're just about heading to 28 years I've just passed 28, and he's just about there.
0: Wow, amazing. And because both of you are from places that are quite far away from New Zealand, and Gillian mentioned before, travelling to Banff, but both of you travelling from overseas to come to New Zealand, did it feel like a bit of a a risk or like an adventure? How did it feel moving from so far away to New Zealand to join this quartet?
3: I'd wanted to play in a string quartet since I was 18 years old and had always been in a quartet, and the opportunity to audition for a quartet that I'd heard about um, was too great to pass up, And because I'd always thought, I'll live anywhere if I can play in a string quartet. And then when I found one that I loved, and I have continued to love, and to get to live in a
0: place like this, what's not to like? Were you guys married before you moved to New Zealand, or did you get married in New Zealand?
2: No, we, we knew each other, and... Uh... Helena was aware of me, and uh, I had played in her string quartet on a tour in Germany, so I got permission to do the audition. Uh, But for me, it was uh, similar as to Jill, in a way. I was in New York uh, in a string quartet, and New York was an exciting city, and so it was an adventure to come to New Zealand. But like Helena, it was all about the uh, quality of the experience with a new quartet that I was excited about. It really didn't matter much where I would end up in the world because I also started playing string quartet seriously when I was 18 years old. So it's uh, (laughs) 50 years. I still have the same excitement about um, a group that really works and the chemistry is great. And so that was the overriding uh, motive. But of course living in New Zealand was a dream for me because I love to run. I love to climb mountains and bike and play tennis. And it just seemed like the perfect balance in life between the intensity of a string quartet.
0: Yeah. And because when you get to do national tours in New Zealand, you get to go to some really, really nice places. So I imagine that must feel like an absolute treat. Helena and Rolf you guys are married, and then also you're having to have this professional role as well, working together in a string quartet. Uh, how how do you sort of keep that separation of, you know, professional life with personal life? You know, are there, <laughs> are there times where you just have to leave the string quartet at the door when you come home?
3: When we're rehearsing the quartet, we're, we're quartet members, colleagues, and when we're at home, we're husband and wife. So there's a lot of quartets around the world that have married couples in them. And I think the challenge is to have all four voices have the same amount of input. That's felt quite good. It helps that the other two are very strong personalities. So string quartet rehearsal is always an intense process of discovery and looking for the strongest possible meaning in every note that we're working on. And so the, the, the strength of purpose that each of us brings to the rehearsal is the most important thing.
0: Well that goes for working in any sort of team isn't it? You've got to think about this thing that is a lot greater than you and that that is everyone's priority. Mm, Yes well said yeah. So fast forwarding a little bit to 2016 when Monique comes along across the ditch from Australia.
4: (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) Love it.
0: (laughs) Monique you joined the second violin in 2016. Yes. Here you are you're joining this group which is very well established, you know, already been around since 1987 and it's gone through so many experiences as one group. What would be a piece of advice for musicians who are joining an established ensemble? Because I imagine, you know, you can't rock the boat too much but then also at the same time you've
4: got to put your own personal stamp
0: on things, right?
4: That's such a great question. There's always this daunting element of Gosh, I hope I fit into the dynamic really well um in the early stages. Um But I think the most crucial thing to think about, well, for me to think about when joining was, you know, it was something much like Helena, actually, I've been doing since I was about 16. So looking back, you always think, oh, this is something that has always been a passion in life. I guess the main thing was to make sure the music was first and the ego last That was good to learn and be surrounded by people who are equally open. And I felt that instantly from the quartet. Everybody was so welcoming and actually asking for me to push the boundaries and suggest other things and break out of certain habits. Um, Like I felt very encouraged and welcomed into the quartet. So I guess I've been in a very fortunate position to, to have that from Rolf Jill and Helena. I don't know what the other side looks like and I, I'm very glad not to have experienced any other side of that. And the other element is, you know, it meant that I've, I was learning so much and still am every day in that experience of journeying into the depths of music, but then at the same time able to inject a bit of spontaneity in a, in a phrase in a concert suddenly or... It was a scary prospect at the beginning, um, but very quickly felt welcomed into the quartet family. I was
0: sensing just this general theme, you know, of you leave ego at the door and music is first, right? Music comes comes first to every rehearsal um, and that's the way it has to be. But also I imagine for you, Monique, just to be able to inject a new perspective on things. That is probably a nice role to play.
4: Absolutely. What I was always drawn to by the New Zealand String Quartet before joining was this intense passion to bring the music to life in that moment. So all of the rehearsing that we do that is so critical or methodical, or we might have some debates on how a phrase should go, all of it in the end, all of that structure and and all of these ideas come together in a performance for an audience to take them in essentially the essence of chain music, a conversation not only between us as four musicians but also with the audience, which we've felt most recently in some live concerts that we've finally been able to do recently. Again, that's the beauty of quartet. You you have this deeply humane experience together of no matter what troubles there may be, we're always coming together on this shared kind of democracy. And plus we have so many incredible works to express. I mean, if you think about it, kind of the I think quartet repertoire's you know, spans almost over 350 or 70 years, a huge amount to explore.
0: You won't run out of string quartet repertoire to no. explore. <laughs> Definitely <laughs> not. I mean, you could even just choose one composer. One final question. What's on the agenda for the quartet coming up?
3: One of the most exciting things a quartet can do in one's career is to play all the Beethoven quartets as the great canon of music. I mean, Haydn started the form And Beethoven expanded it and set an inspiring and intimidating example for all the composers that followed him. So one of our greatest memories is the first time we did a Beethoven cycle over 20 years ago now. And we are going to do two of them in Europe in November, twice postponed. So we're really hoping that this postponement will be the, this will be the final time that will be coming in November. So that's really exciting. Then we always have new pieces that we are playing. We've had some new commissions recently with the quartet and the indigenous music instruments of the Māori. So Taunga Poro. So we are always happy and delighted to enlarge the repertoire for string quartet in all possible directions. So that's only only two of the things that are ahead for us.
0: That sounds brilliant. Thank you all so much for joining me this morning and your evening. And it's just wonderful to hear what you guys uh, have been up to over the last 35 years and also what's coming up uh, in the future. Good luck for your Beethoven cycle. Thank you again so much for being on the podcast. Thanks very much. Thank
4: you, Davina.
0: That was the New Zealand String Quartet, violinists Helena Pohl and Monique Lappens, violist Gillian Ansell and cellist Rolf Yelston. Right now you're listening to an excerpt of their recording from String Quartet in E minor by Douglas Lilburn, dubbed the grandfather of New Zealand music. Check out the show notes for a link to more performances from the Quartet of Music by New Zealand composers. And don't forget to head to our website, thestrad.com, to check out the latest news, articles, and reviews on all things to do with string playing. And if you like what you see and hear, register and subscribe to access exclusive archival content from 2010 onward. We've got 50% off an online subscription for students, and if you're not sure you're ready to subscribe, take out a free trial for seven days, start reading right away with no strings attached. And if you happen to be on Apple Podcasts right now, give us a little review or a rating. Thanks for listening and tune in again soon for another episode. Take good care. Bye.